Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Tearing down characters of, uh, you know, the character of individuals and all that. Like, whatever we see happening in the political world, and I don't mean to bash on politicians, because there are some good guys out there, for sure. They're not all bad. But what we know of and the reputation is, I mean, constantly just assassin character. Just assassinating character, right? All the time. That's one thing when it happens in the world, but that is a, a, a tremendous, like, disappointment when it happens in the church. Sadly, when you look at the church over the last handful of years, it doesn't look all that much different than the culture around us. Infighting over issues that aren't essential to the gospel has created division and bitterness between its members. Instead of graciously talking through the disagreements and finding some unity in Christ, we've let these issues drive us apart. As Pastor James encourages us in today's message, we need to approach everyone with patience, allowing the love of Christ to empower us. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Titus, chapter 3, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken. Titus, chapter 3. This is the last little bit that Paul has towards Titus as Titus is pastoring a church there in Crete, which is um, kind of a rough area, um, living the island life. We know what that's about. It's not always paradise on the island. Uh, and uh, people always tell me, they hear like, oh, you're a pastor and oh, Galveston I'm, must be rough. And I'm actually, I'm like, yeah, it actually is. Um, yeah. It actually is like you, you don't know what you're talking about where you think like, oh, you're at the beach all the time and, you know, sun and sand and all this stuff. Yeah, right. It's just like each place comes with its own set of challenges. And the same would be true with what Titus is having to go through as he's pastoring or leading this church. And, and he's just kind of a he's there for the moment. Paul's looking to get him some help or to replace him kind of a thing. But with the demographic concerning, you know, who he's ministering to, Paul needed to remind Titus of some core truths and that we, we really need to be reminded of as well. If, uh, if you ever venture out into ministry or teaching or leading a Bible study or anything like that, I, I can tell you right now, a large part of your ministry is going to be reminding people of what they already know. And it's, can be maddening. It can be frustrating at times, but that's, that's part of it. If you're going to lead any kind of ministry and you have a teaching influence over people, most of what you're going to be doing, I would say 90-something percent of what you're going to be doing, is just reminding them of what they already know. Okay, And the rest of that is teaching people who don't know it that new truth, and then they'll enter into the cycle of, you're going to remind them a little bit later. Let me tell you what the Word says. Right? This is, this is all chapter 3. This is a reminder. Right, Verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers, right? So remind them. They already know this. Paul's addressed this, and it's kind of circulated through all the churches through other letters that he's written. But he just, they need to be reminded. Submit to the government and its officers. And, you know, 
from, from all of history, there hasn't been a good government in one sense, okay? All governments experience some form or fashion of corruption. It's just how it is. You give man power, and they're going to mess it up. It's just how it goes. And it may be good for a season, for a while, uh, but sin eventually creeps in and takes over. That's just how it is. Um, but whoever's in charge, you don't have to necessarily respect the person, but you do need to respect the, the office. All right? Um, so what we have to do is submit to them, pray for them, uh, and the submission there is, if, in case we don't know or we need to be reminded of this, it, it, there's a certain limitation on that submission. Like, if our government is trying to enforce or coerce or whatever, legalize, you know, sinful activity, we don't submit to that. We don't submit to that. You don't submit to somebody who is trying to make you come along with sin. It's just not, that's not what we do. You stand up for righteousness. So um, trying to pass all this stuff, and we, it just, the past three years have been just like, the floodgates have opened <laughs> with chaos and just um, illogical thinking. And uh, there's been a, a surge of just all sorts of things that we, that were always there, but never really on the forefront of anybody's minds have become like headline news, transgender stuff. Like, last three years, spotlight, why are they pushing this so hard? Really pushing it. And they're going to try to make some legislations and all this stuff. We, we, we obey God above man. Okay, We, we saw that in the book of Acts. Um, the, the, the rulers, in, in one sense, kind of came, came down on the apostles and said, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. And they're like, listen, we're going to obey God. We're going to obey God. So when it comes to that, if it's a choice between obeying you and obeying God, we choose God and we'll live with the consequences. We'll live with the consequences. Uh, so we do submit to government. We do pray for our government, our leaders and its officers. We, we do these things, but we don't go along with, you know, whatever policy or new thing that they want to enforce and take away you know, your rights to parent your kids because now all kids belong to the government and all this stupid stuff. Like, I don't know. No, I don't think so. My kids are my kids. I'll raise my kids. The government has never owned my kids. Um, so, uh, but in, in the government doesn't get to say what happens with my kids and all this stuff. And no, we don't agree with any of that stuff. We don't submit to any of that stuff. But we pray for leaders. We pray that blindness would be taken away, spiritual blindness would be taken away. But in order to maintain a good civil society, we obey the laws of the land as long as they are just and not leading towards sin, okay? And that's just common sense. You, you don't want anarchy. Um, so Paul is reminding Tim, Titus to remind the, the individuals that occupy the, the church and the churches um, where this letter would be circulated through Submit to the governing authorities. Uh, you may not like them and all that, but as long as you know they're not pressing you to, to sin against God, then just submit to them, pray for them. Um, that that's just what we have to do. We have to be good examples in this, be a good influence, so to speak. And he goes through this. Uh, this is like a list. Submit to the government, the government and its officers. That these that the believers should be obedient. They should always be ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone or talk about them behind their backs um, or 
sling mud on them or, you know, kind of uh, call into question somebody's character behind their backs. Like, that's, that's all part of this slander um, idea, which has to, like, it has no place in the church, which is kind of unfortunate when this, this creeps into churches, uh, when we begin to talk about other people behind their backs and we, we paint them out, their character, as if, like, we're not saying they're bad people, but we're kind of creating in your mind that they could possibly be a bad person. Or maybe they're, they got some sin going on. You know, we, we have these really creative ways of dancing around, beating around the bush when we're talking about other people behind their backs. That can't be done. That, there's no place for that in the church at all. There's, there's no place for that at all in, in society. That shouldn't be happening. Tearing down characters of, uh, you know, the character of individuals and all that. Like, whatever we see happening in the political world, and I don't mean to bash on politicians, because there are some good guys out there, for sure. They're not all bad. But what we know of and the reputation is, I mean, constantly just assassin character. Just assassinating character, right? All the time. That's one thing when it happens in the world, but that is a, a, a tremendous, like, disappointment when it happens in the church. When we're character assassinating people behind their backs. Oh, yeah, oh, well, so-and-so? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should be praying for so-and-so. Well, because you care about them? Well, no, because, I don't know, you know, they don't really do something that I agree with, and so we just need to be praying, because, you know, maybe something's going on that we don't know about, that there's maybe some sin or something. We just need to be praying. Like, what what are we doing? What are we talking about? That's dumb. Like, no, yeah, pray for that person. There's no need to go around, like, the gossiping, the slander, all the stuff. This had to be addressed in this church, and Paul is saying, Avoid it. They, you must not slander anybody. Like, mind your own business. That's a, the greatest advice, I think, that is, is found within. Paul says that oftentimes throughout the many of his pastoral epistles, and it's just good advice for anybody within church life and ministry. Mind your own business. <laughs> pray for people. You don't need to know people's details or their stuff. Like, Just pray for people. Uh, there's one guy who goes here. You guys all know him, Dwayne. Dwayne's the best at this. I admire this from him. I, I've watched Dwayne for the past seven years, and Dwayne just assumes the best out of everybody. He just does. He never speaks a, a, a an ill word or, or anything about anybody that has ever come up in our conversations. Ever. Ever. Um, he's just always, and he just, he just thinks highly of people, and he's always speaking highly about people. Uh, he, Slender is, he's one just example and he's not here. I think maybe he's coming back from Hawaii this weekend or something, but because he's not here, I can, I can talk about him in a good way. He models this perfectly. He, he really does. I've never heard him say anything bad about anybody or gossip about anybody ever, ever. And even when we've had guys come in and they weren't really the right fit here or whatever, or they were stirring up trouble or anything like that. He always, he always saw the best in them, right? And when I wanted to, like, strangle somebody, Dwayne's like, well, and he's just always able to come alongside and come around and bring the attention back around like, no, 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 look, let's, let's, let's not go there. Let's look at this, and they're a brother, and they got this, and he just has a really good way of doing that. He models that. So the slander shouldn't be happening. You must avoid quarreling. Uh, that's the, the infighting that happens within churches. We, we should avoid those things. It says instead, or however, 
these believers, including us, should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. If you are gentle with each other and you are showing true humility towards each other, you're not slandering anybody. You're not talking about anybody behind their back. You're not looking for fights. You're actually looking out for the benefit and the, you know, what's best for the other person. That's kind of the mindset Christians, especially Christians within churches. This is, this is how we should function. Just looking out for the best from others or the best interest of others. Being gentle, being humble, true humility. True humility is not like, um, I'm such, I'm such an idiot. That's not, that's not true humility. That's a reversal of pride is what that is. Okay. True humility is understanding my condition that I'm a sinful man and that God is still working on me and that, yeah, I can't look at other people and assume that they're, you know, better Christians than I am, but I also can't look at them and assume that they're worse Christians than I am. I can look at them saying like, I think we're all on the same level and the ground of the cross is, is, is level. So it's just having this right mindset of like, I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's, that's just who I am. Uh, that's this true humility. It's not thinking more of yourself than you ought to. But that's the mindset of all Christians. That's what should be the mindset of Christians. And that makes for a, for a good, healthy church as well, is having this humility, considering others, and, and all that good stuff. He goes on to say, once, verse 3, once we, not you. I love this about Paul, where he's like, he doesn't, he, he, anytime he goes into these little uh, uh, reminiscent kind of things, thinking back to who he used to be, it's never once, you know, you were like this. It, it generally, it's once we, once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. Right? So this is the Apostle Paul where he's like, all right, Titus, I need you to do this. You got to remind people of what they already know. And in part of reminding them what they already know, you need to, you need to frame it out for them who they used to be past tense. Every, everything in there is, is a past tense thing. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of, of evil and envy and we hated each other. Um, and then that's true. Uh, that's, that could be, True of us, everybody that's in this room. To a certain extent, you might have been like, well, I've never hated anybody. Well, bravo for that, because um, I did. <laughs> I just I just did. Uh, it, it's, it's fascinating how hate just comes natural. And it's not it's not limited to one like skin color either. Let's let's get let's clear this air out like, you know, all kinds of people can be hateful towards each other. That's just reality of sinful humanity. OK, Um and Paul is saying, we once were like this. We were foolish. We were disobedient. We were misled. We were slaves to, to many lusts and pleasures. And that's not always a sexual thing, but yet it is included within there. You can be lustful over anything, anything. It's anything that occupies or creates this, this uh, insatiable desire within you. And you're trying desperately to fill that thing. You can lust after fame. You can lust after fortune. You can lust after stuff. You can lust after women. You can lust after anything and everything. 
It's just this insatiable desire inside of you that you're trying to like feed. And then you never will. By now, all of us in this room, to a certain extent, should have come to that understanding. Whatever you think will satisfy you, apart from Jesus, it will not and cannot satisfy. It just can't. It's empty calories. It's the junk food of life. Like, you eat it, and I'm like, oh, I'm still hungry. Of course you are, because you just ingested something that is actually tearing you up from the inside. It's killing you from the inside. So avoid the junk. Feed on what is good for you. What is good for you. But that's who we used to be. And I love verse 4. Here it is. It's one of the, uh, one of those, the butts of the Bible, right? You got to pay attention to these things. Verse 4, but, or however, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Don't mistake that. Don't, don't get that twisted, right? He revealed his kindness and love. He displayed that to you in some form or fashion. You were not searching for God. You were not searching for God. He was coming after you. And you, sometimes people say that. Yeah, I'm just kind of looking for God. No, you're, you're not. He's actually hunting you down. He, he's going to hunt you down and he will win you over by what? His kindness. Paul told the church in Corinth, it's his kindness that leads to repentance. It's his kindness. Some uh, pastors love to play like the uh, hellfire and brimstone card, right? Like, I'll just scare. I'll, I'll scare the hell out of you, right? Like, the destination is what I'm talking about there. That's in case my son's watching and he thinks I cussed, uh, which I didn't. Speaking of a place, a geographical location, all right? We'll just scare you. We'll scare you into heaven. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. And that might work for that Sunday morning, but that will quickly dissipate. You can't be motivated into heaven through fear. It's his kindness. It's his kindness that wins you over. That's, that's, the, that's the beauty of, of the gospel. It says, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. And Paul is phrasing this out for a specific way because he wants you to understand this. There is nothing you can do to earn your way into heaven. This, in fact, this whole little paragraph that we're going to go through, none of this is about you. And he doesn't, even, he doesn't even mention faith in here because he wants you to understand it's God's work. Salvation is God at work. It's not us working to get to heaven. So faith, you have to have faith in order to be saved. But within this paragraph, he wants to put all of the spotlight onto God. It says he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, right? The book of Isaiah tells us that all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Like you can't, there's no way, God's not going to be like, well, you know, you never received my, my, my son as your savior, but you did a lot of good stuff. So yeah, I'll let you in, right? He's like, you're, we bring to him like in that kind of mindset, we bring to him all these quote-unquote good things. And we're like, look, God, I don't really buy into that whole Jesus thing, but I got a bunch of good works that I'm going to present to you. Surely this is enough to get me in. And he looks at that as, at that as like, that's like, that's filthy rags. Technically, if you want to get gross about it, in the book of Isaiah, it's minstrel rags. And we're like, look at what I got, God. And he's like, I don't want that. 
I don't want what you have. Like, that's not, we're not, we're not working on the same, within the same economy. Your, your good works, they're, they're like the American dollar. They got no backing. There's nothing supporting it. Like, it's just, it's just stuff. But it's, it's his righteousness. It's his imputed upon us or placed upon us. It's not because of righteous things we've done, but here's another one. Because of his mercy, mercy is a good Christian word that you, we, you and I need to become very familiar with, mercy and grace. Mercy is uh, him sparing you what you deserve in one sense. Grace is getting what you don't deserve in abundance. Like the grace, that's an outpouring of God's graciousness to you is like him just blessing you with things that you just don't really deserve. Mercy is him holding back what you actually do deserve. So his grace and his mercy, which are, are new every morning, are, are beautiful things. And if you don't know what to pray for when you wake up in the morning, pray for those two things. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy within my life. That's one of the reasons why almost every prayer I pray, I start with that. Thank you for grace and mercy in my life. Thank you for the, the blessings that you have freely bestowed upon me. And thank you for holding back what I deserve. Because I, I, I don't even know what I deserve, <laughs> right? But I trust him. It says, it says, he washed away our sins. So again, it, all the focus is on him. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. You've been born again. You've been born again. You're made new, brand new, brand new. You're like, I still feel like the same old person. Yeah, because you're still in the same body, but your mind is renewed. Your heart has been not just like remodeled. It's been made new. The desires that once just used to consume you, once we once were like this, we were slaves to these things. You've been set free from those things. The, the greatest challenge, I think, in a, in a Christian's life is just coming to the realization of what you've actually, that you've actually been set free. And that like when that desire, that temptation comes up, you don't have to give into it. What I naturally would just never think about and just give into, now it's like there's a battle that takes place. And it's like, okay, that, that temptation's there. And for guys, look, it's going to be there, whatever it is, right? Summertime's coming. There's going to be half-naked ladies all, all up and down our beach, right? And they block, the, they block the view of these beautiful waves as far as I'm concerned. You could all leave because you're blocking the best part about it, and it's waves, and it's the ocean, and it's... But we're all guys. We're all guys. And we are wired to be visual creatures. That's just part of it, right? So, but there's a difference now. To where once it would have been like... All, me and all my friends, I mean, we would have looked forward to, let's go to the beach. Why? For the waves? No, for the girls. For the girls, right? And then filling our hearts and our minds with just these images that create, that feed into fleshly desires and all that stuff. You know how it works. Forbidden swells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some unnatural swells too. Um, but you just got to be cautious of all of it. Just... We know the challenge, the temptation, it's, it's always going to be out there. It's always going to be out there, but it's how you handle it. You've been
been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you. Titus is a short book of the Bible, but it really packs a punch. Something that's pinpointed in this book is the fact that Jesus came to earth as a human. So even though he's a part of the Trinity of God, he also was God incarnate. If this type of doctrine was under question, it's no wonder why Paul wrote to Titus to confirm and reassure that this important belief shouldn't be thrown out. It's a vital thing to remember nowadays as well. Nothing in the Bible should be disregarded or thrown out. It's all important. If you value these teachings and are interested in hearing them in person, then come join us on a Sunday morning. At Calvary Galveston, our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just seek to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We would also love your prayer support for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share more thoughts with you in the coming study. Until then, stay rooted in the Word and be ready to hear more solid teachings right here on Bread for the Broken.